wheels make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. I'm Lars. It's just uh, Buffalo Bill Belcher here with me this evening. Hello, folks. Howdy doody. And we are trying to find a positive spin on Sunday's game, which was the worst. Uh-huh. And uh, not not a typical Bills loss, but a very, very frustrating one. We'll have plenty to talk about that, as well as the big Thursday night game coming up in a couple days. We had to turn around quickly this week for the episode. Get ready. Uh, but BillsAndBeers.com, best way to find us. Subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found us. And, Billy, let's talk about that Chiefs game, and let's see what we have to look forward to against Miami on Thursday. Let's go, Buffalo. So our, our clinking there was uh, a little bit less than satisfactory, uh, as there's just two of us this week. Uh, just as uh, I would say the ending of that game was a little less uh, satisfactory on Sunday. We don't want to dwell on it too much, I would say, but uh, I don't know. Lars, what's, uh, what would you say the most disappointing part of that loss was for you? Like most Bills losses, knowing that we should have won. I mean, straight up, we dominated that game. A couple of fluke plays, and it's all it took to turn. And what sucks is it's the exact same way that we lost to them last year at home, and it's the exact same way that we lost last year coming out of our bye against Atlanta in Toronto, that being two costly fumbles that essentially cost us the game. And this this week against Kansas City, or this past week rather, it was the two costly fumbles and one long run on fourth and one from Jamal Charles that made all the difference. And knowing that we dominated that game, made Alex Smith look uneasy, made Jamal Charles pretty much a non-factor in the game, and completely neutralized their pass rush, if you'd have shown me a scorecard with all those things with the giant green check mark next to it going into Sunday's game, I'd tell you there's no way we could possibly lose the game if all those things hold true. Yet we found a way to do so. Yeah, I mean, a few plays here or there are, are going to make the difference. Um, we were just talking about how we've pulled a few of those out this year that maybe we're used to we're, we're, we're used to getting the loss in scenarios where a few plays are the ones that make make the difference. This time, we, we fell on the short, short side of things. Uh, it's frustrating for sure. Um, but that's what we said after the Detroit game, and that's what I was saying. I wasn't with you guys, but I kept saying – when we got the ball back to set it up for a 58-yard field goal, that was either before or after. No, that was after Golden Tate's long catch and run that almost set them up for a field goal, and then they missed. I remember saying, these aren't games that the Bills are prone to winning. We always find a way to lose those games. We found a way to win that one. We found a way to win in overtime against Chicago. We found a way to win against Minnesota. And we found a way to lose against Kansas City. Very frustrating. Bill, it's, it came down to a couple plays. So I'm going to go ahead and give my Jenny Cremail bummer of the week to one guy who was responsible for the two scoring plays, that being Manny Lawson. He's your LeVette Blue player of the week? No, he's my Jenny Cremail bummer of the week. We're starting with the bummer this okay, week. Okay, so you, you're talking about him uh, on the outside there, missing, uh, taking a couple, I mean, not even taking an angle. Twice. He's essentially just... Completely not being in the right position. Yeah, he got he got fooled on the read option that that Smith 
Yeah. Walls into the end zone. And then I mean, he long, bit on that so hard. And the long run on fourth and one, he was in a position to blow that play up in the backfield and just took a terrible angle. I mean, it was there. He was he was right there, and he had a chance to turn that game around and put any momentum that the Chiefs had up to that point completely to rest, and he whiffed twice. So you don't ever say that a guy cost you the game, but Manny Lawson certainly made that game a lot closer than it had to be. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to give mine to Leotis. Um, you know, for, for the obvious, obvious reason that he, uh, you know, had that horrible fumble, but, uh, you know, Leotis is due for one of those a year. Yeah. And, and they always seem to be I game guess costly. They, they, yeah, you're right. Um, I'm hoping that he like, he got it out of the way and that's his one for the year. Um, but you know, every time, I mean, every time he touches the ball, yeah. I'm we all get afraid he's gonna, yeah. he's gonna fumble the ball. So. Well, well, I'm going to go ahead and turn it on its ear here, Bill, because we have to hurry up an episode this week because of the Thursday night game. We just went through the primetime history of the Bills. Playing on primetime is not something we get to do very often, and we got a huge game coming up. So with that in mind, I'm going to give my Labatt Blue MVP to Leotis McKelvin. And it's not because of the fumble. He, he, he messed up pretty bad on that fumble. He also uh, gave up a couple of receptions that he may have... Hold on, he's... <laughs> oh, shit. Betty, you hey, found Betty, the ball. Get Good lost. Job. He gave up a couple of receptions that maybe he could have defended a little better. But I'm giving my the Bad Blue MVP player of the week to Leotis McKelvin because of his post-game press conference. Whoa. Because I believe he cursed at the reporter twice. Was it three times? I didn't even hear it. He said something like, shit happens, that shit is never going to happen again. I think he dropped an F-bomb or two. Really? He was pissed. Good. So, so that's why he gets my Labatt Blue player of the game, because as we said, we have a very important game coming up on Thursday. They have a short week to get it done, and they have a short week for this game to stay sour in their heads, and I'm really happy to see our players be pissed off by that loss, because they should be. Well, that's good. Um, you know, so... I'm glad to hear that. I didn't. I didn't actually hear the the post game uh, press conference. My uh, Labatt Blue MVP of the week is going to be the man in the stands who uh, pretended to be Andy Reid, <laughs> because I was looking at that split screen for 15 seconds and did not realize because we we can't hear the sound. Yeah. Right. I did not realize what was going on. And I'm like, why is Andy, was Andy Reid in the stands before the game, like, talking to a Bills player? Or, excuse me, talking to, like, uh, you know, a Bills fan? Is that one of the players' wives that he's talking to? How does he know this Bills fan? That was this is the weirdest thing in the world. And was that guy a Chiefs fan, or was he just... No, I think he was just a Bills fan. He was a Bills just fan. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> stand here. I mean, it was a splitting image. It was hilarious. It really was. So, at least we got a chuckle out of that. Yeah, no, that, well, it was easy to chuckle because for most of the game we were winning. And every time they went over to him, you know, we were in a relatively good mood. Yeah. We, we haven't talked a whole lot about the Bryce Brown fumble, which was a tremendous play by the Chiefs defender to knock it out of there. It was the beautiful run from 15 yards out that we've been waiting for. He looked really good in this game, Bill. Yeah, so I'm hoping that they that the coaches recognize that that it's a fluke thing and they don't attach that to his background as being fumble prone because it was a good play by the Chiefs. Should he have held on to the ball? Yes. But um I mean I Chandler I had an opportunity to recover too. But I don't think that, that you're right. And I don't think that his playing time should be cut down. Um obviously if it happens again, 
then you start to really take a look at it and you and you start to cut his time cut his time down. But well, two things: the the fact that Chandler whiffed at it too made it a double kick in the nuts. I mean, that really sucked. We had we had a golden opportunity to erase the damage and whiffed at it. But we agree that Bryce Brown was by far the best back for the Bills on Sunday, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. They ran that swing play three times for a first down. Yeah. Better than we've... I You and I made mention at the bar that the timing of that... The way they, they routinely picked up 10 yards in that play between him and Orton is something we haven't seen yeah. in years. Oh, it, was, it looked easy. Yeah. It was awesome. Hit him in stride. He found... He, he had took great angles all three times. He looked really good. It, if it wasn't for that... Fumble, I think we've been talking about the emergence of Bryce Brown as somebody who's going to... Yeah. Because I, because running back is going to be a point of need for this team in the offseason. They're going to be looking to make improvements there. But I think it, I thought he made a pretty good case for himself on Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, it's just his third game back. Is that right? Second game? Third game? Second, I believe. Second, Second game. So, I mean, unfortunately, that's what you get when a player has not been playing. Uh, you get more, more of those things are likely to happen. Uh, and that's just the nature of this Bills team right now. Um, and, you know, this guy stepping in for, for injured players. Clearly, Freddie was not healthy. No, because he, he would have been into the and end of the game. And so I don't think he should have been in the game in general. But at, yeah, least they didn't, him. at least they didn't push him, though. And, you know, four straight shots to the end zone at the end of the game. You and I didn't dispute the call to go for it as opposed to take the points and try to pull within one point there at the end. Yeah, fine with that. Uh, yeah, I had no, I had no issue with it because if the shoes on the other foot, then all the all the fans are screaming that we were way too conservative and weren't going to the win. Yeah, and and make no mistake, they should have thrown a touchdown on the third down. Um, Orton had Hogan wide open in the end zone and just missed him. Yep. The play, the play design was there. Your boy Hackett called a great game on Sunday. Well, I guess uh, uh, Sammy was open too on the fourth down. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, again, back to that Hackett. Several times on Sunday, we made note that a couple of those flare routes for four, six yards that we see the Patriots do all the time, we ran those with some pretty good success. As we mentioned up top, we managed to completely neutralize the number one pass defense in the NFL, and if Orton made a couple more throws, he's putting up 270, 280 yards and two touchdowns on the best pass defense in the NFL and making it look pretty easy. Yeah, well, I like how we created space by spreading the guys out. We did. That was the first, and we empty backfield a couple times. So why does it take that long to figure that to figure that out and I, to try that formation? Honestly, like I that was the first time all year. Well, it's such a fast turnaround. We haven't seen the all twenty twos yet. I don't know what they were doing on the offensive line that was different. I don't know what impact Cyrus Quanjo had. There was so, you know, there's so much going on at game day. When did you're he watching. play the whole game? I don't know if he played at all. Oh, okay. That's what I'm, I'm waiting to see all of that O-line analysis to, an, to answer your question. Why did it take so long to find this? Did they find a formula during the bye week that now we can move forward with a little more stability there? Who knows? I'll tell you where we are. The offensive very, line did play well. The offensive line played great. Not as good as the defensive line, though. Nope. Marcel Darius, nine sacks, excuse me, ten sacks in nine games for a defensive tackle. He is having an absolutely stellar year. And we have him for the fifth-year option next year. I don't know. He's going to cost a lot of money to keep. Would you be sad to see him go? Oh, I'd be sad to see him go for sure. Uh, I don't know whether or not he makes the cut. Well, I think we're going to have to see next year what kind of money Sue gets in Detroit because I think that's going to pretty much be the the baseline because Gerald McCoy just got that monster contract in Tampa. But 
I tell you what, any money that Marcel Darius gets this year, he's earned every last penny of it. Now, whether or not he can stay out of trouble and keep his weight right and stay focused once he gets his payday remains unseen. And I think Bill's Nation is justified in having a question mark there, but for the time being, he is having one hell of a year. Yeah, definitely. He's made Kyle Williams seem like an afterthought. Uh, Yeah, unless it's, you know, Kyle Williams taking up two guys to open it up for Marcel Darius. And I think that is what's happening. You know, I, I think rare so. is going to be the game where they both dominate. And as, as it's been, Marcel Darius has made most out of his opportunity. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if, if uh, teams switch that matchup a little bit and we start to see Kyle Williams make a couple more plays. It's likely. We might see it Thursday. Uh, well, you know, we've, uh, we definitely have not had too much trouble, knock on wood, with... Uh, Ryan Tannehill uh, in the past, so looking forward to this week. Is there anything in particular that you are uh, you're worried about as we face the Dolphins? Um, no. I I said last week against Kansas City that barring fluke plays or barring turnovers, we should beat them. That's what happened. We just had those fluke plays. So that would be your worry. One yeah. worry, right? It's just like yeah. if we just make dumb, boneheaded yeah. uh, turnovers. Because I think we match up perfectly against them. So let's uh, let's get out of this segment and and talk about this match. Sweet. Sometimes I get a good feeling. Yeah. So one thing that has been the theme of the last three matchups against the Miami Dolphins is Ryan Tannehill's inability to deal with our defensive line. Last year in Miami, we got the last second win after a strip sack of Tannehill. Now they almost marched right back down and scored again, but they did not. And then the Week 16 game last year in Buffalo in the pouring rain was just just a bloodbath. I uh, believe we shut them out. We held them to just over 100 yards of total offense, and I think we sacked Tannehill seven times. Earlier this year, a lot of the same. Uh, Tannehill was completely muted by our defense. We took out Sean Moreno in the early parts of the game. I don't think they've, they've found a suitable replacement or anybody running back since then. So there's no reason for me to believe that the matchup that has favored us is not going to favor us again Thursday night. But Bill, as we just said, Thad Lewis beat the Dolphins twice last year. EJ Manuel beat them earlier this year. By far, the best Bills quarterback they will have faced, they're facing on Thursday in Kyle Orton. Do we agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, again, I guess barring any unforeseen screwiness, is, can we envision a scenario where our team loses? Is it safe to assume that maybe the Dolphins are going to be as fired up as we are because they're coming off a disappointing loss, too, to the Lions? So, they lost against the Lions... Um... Then so the game before that they beat San Diego thirty-seven nothing. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So who is that Dolphins team? Who's that and Chargers team though? That Chargers team has lost three in a row. Well, they beat us. They did beat us. They beat us when they were beating everybody and on a hot streak. Okay. They lost. They only beat Chicago twenty-seven fourteen. They only beat Jacksonville twenty-seven thirteen. And they uh, had two pick sixes in that they game. They lost to Green Bay 27-24, so they played them tough. They crushed the Chiefs 34-15. Uh, 
at a time when the Chiefs couldn't get their shit together either. Yeah. So, but you know, I guess the point point being, it they've they have beat some good teams, but they are now without their All Pro left tackle Brandon Albert, who is on the IR for the year. So they're moving their rookie right tackle to left tackle and bringing in a brand new player at right tackle. So he'll be matched up against Mario Williams Thursday night, and. Based on what our line has been able to do. Now, Bill, part of the reason our line can do what they do so well is because we're having great play from our linebackers, too. When offenses try to find that little crease or a little seam to get the ball behind the line as they're playing aggressively, they get gobbled up by tacklers pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, what I, what I would love to see is, uh, is we just we end up not only just getting these sacks, but forcing... Forcing turnovers. We need to force turnovers. If we win the turnover battle, we'll win the game. That's no no question in my mind. And even as was the case in the KC, if we have a couple fluke plays, I still think we can win this game because I think we're going to dominate them so so hard when they have the ball. I I just our defense has matched up so well against them in the last three matchups. I can't foresee a scenario where that's suddenly no longer the case. It's sort of like. Uh... They, those years whenever we faced Ch- the Chad Pennington and the Jets, yeah, where you never, you always knew that there was a possibility that those Jets could beat us, but you were like, I'm not scared of Chad Pennington no. at all. I feel the same way about Mike Vick and the Jets this year. Right. So it's worth noting that that's our opponent after the Dolphins. We have the Jets and then we have the Browns. There's nobody listening to this podcast right now that doesn't already know that. Because if you're listening to this podcast, that means you're a pretty big Bills fan. And you know how important and how winnable these next three games are. I think we went into this part of the season thinking that all four games were winnable. But that a to rattle off four wins and go 9-3, and three, that would have been something special. Now we're in a point where we have to win the next three. But I think the three most winnable ones are the next three games. Yeah, uh, definitely. This is the this is the time right here. Um, and you know, I think uh, after Kyle Orton's performance, while he didn't, well, he certainly didn't have his best game, no. and uh, and luckily he's not taking too much heat for it. Um, but there is some criticism uh, because of that last drive and him missing a couple open guys. But you know, I think that I didn't hear his post game comments or anything. But I do think that he's gonna, you know. He's the kind of guy that he doesn't care what other people say. Uh, he's going to take it upon himself to make sure that he has a good game here uh, on Thursday night. How much more confident are we in Kyle Orton than we ever were in Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we have a chance to win every single game. With Kyle Orton? With Kyle there? Orton. And you never thought that was the case with Ryan Fitzpatrick? No. Is it harder to evaluate Fitzpatrick, though, because of how bad the defense was? It's Maybe a, it's a point that we've made on this podcast many, many, many times. I if I, that's why I can't bring myself to say definitively that Kyle Orton is significantly better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I I just don't believe that. Am I crazy? Mm, yeah, I think you're a little bit crazy. Um, I, I listen. Think... I love me some Fitzy, but uh, I think Orton Orton has proven to be able to make. Uh, Throws that Ryan Fitzpatrick could not make. I 100% I agree. I don't think the other way around. I think the only the only thing you could argue is that Fitzpatrick had a way to make, just make plays somehow. And they'd often be with his feet. 
There you go. There you go. Kyle Orton, Bill, we joked about it two weeks ago, is comically immobile for a quarterback, for a professional athlete. He looks like somebody put cement in his shoes. Because he's not, he's not like that out of shape. No, I don't understand it. I do not understand. How how can you be that slow? It's. I want to say because he's only thirty-one. You know, it's not like he's on two surgically repaired knees out there. Yeah. But his feet are so slow, and I. I just want to pull the Bills training staff aside and be like, "Hey, the first ten minutes and the last ten minutes of every practice, can this guy just jump rope the whole time? Because as of right now, his feet are awful. They are god awful. And while I. 100% 100% agree that Kyle Orton makes throws that Fitzpatrick will never make and never did make as a Buffalo Bill. Fitzpatrick had a way of extending plays and extending drives that is was as much of a liability or was as much of an asset for Fitz as it is a liability for Orton in that when Orton tries to make those plays, it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Yeah, um you know, but I'm still I still definitely favor uh, and think Orton is a better quarterback than Ryan, than Ryan Fitzpatrick, just based upon the throws that I've seen him make this year. Agreed, but those four, and we're also saying that because the the four missed throws into the end zone on Sunday were is were uncharacteristic of his play to that point, I would say. And I wouldn't expect to see something like that from him again, but it does feel like that's something we saw repetitively with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Is he's got four four chances to make this play. You're gonna miss every all every all four times. There it is. Yeah. Kyle Orton did that, and I'm not entirely confident to say it'll never happen again. Are you? It was weird that it happened because we had never seen him play that badly before. But is that to say we'll never see him play that badly again? Uh no. I think I think we'll we'll probably see it again. I'm surprised that we haven't seen it up until this point. Probably lucky in that in that aspect. We can't we cannot be a team that relies on Kyle Orton to win, and that's what that that was the situation uh, on uh, on Sunday. We relied we relied on him to make a play at the end of the game, and it can't be. It, we're not going to win games if that's the case. So either defense needs to make more plays, yeah. or someone else needs to not make dumb mistakes, or we you know like need to make more plays uh early, earlier in the game. Well, four dumb plays that decided that game. Leotis, Leotis, Bryce Brown, yes, and two by Manny Lawson. Yes. I can definitively tell you I would be shocked if we saw the defense make that mistake that Manny Lawson made one, twice on Sunday one more time for the rest of the season and I will I will be doubly shocked probably more so shocked if we ever make it twice in the same game again. But I'm not entirely confident that we can sit here and say, well, the fumbles, they'll go away. The the the, the bad, the, the poor time turnovers, those will go away because they have been kind of a monkey on our backs now for the last four or five weeks. Um, is, Manny, is, Manny, is Manny Lawson getting more playing time than he was in the past? The D-line rotation has been aggressive, especially okay. in the second halves. But it's worked out okay. So it just so happened that, I mean, he's been in the game just as much. It just so happened to be two plays where he just got blown up. Yeah, and some question why he was on the field on that fourth down play. Right. Um, as opposed to Jerry Hughes, or was Jerry Hughes out there? I don't know. That's why we got to wait and see. Yeah. I don't know. we what... got to watch the tape. we got to watch the tape. we got to watch the tape. <laughs> and it's only Tuesday. Uh, we haven't had that much time. So... 
Um, uh, there's nothing else to say. I expect the Bills to win. I expect I I wouldn't be surprised if they won big, but I'm expecting them to win on Thursday. Well, I would. Uh, while I know we can win, um, I'm tempering my expectations and um, knowing that we could very well lose this game. All right. Well, we'll get into it. Predictions and wild card. <laughs> So all good episodes must come to an end. This episode is no different. So as we approach the end of the episode, that means it's the wild card portion of today's it's episode. It's the wild card. And a quick aside, uh, we had a bar mate, a uh, fellow Chicagoan, come up to us and uh, give us some props on Sundays. Boy, that felt good. Always nice to hear from our fans. If you listen every week, and we know there's about 300 of you who do, uh, shoot us an email, shoot us a face mail, shoot us a, a Twitter. A face mail. Yeah, whatever. Uh, use, the, use the interwebs to get in touch with us because... Uh, we enjoy doing this podcast for you, and we certainly enjoy uh, hearing from you in response. Uh, Bill, it was reported that with the short week and coming off a shitty, shitty loss at home again by 2-3 and three at home. I mean, God, that's got to change. And it's not because the crowd's not helping them out. I don't know. We... It used, you know, again, it used to be just that, like, every time we were at home, can't Guaranteed win. Is it because, Guaranteed advantage. Is it because they but, practiced with all the music and all the noise, and now when they're like at home and they don't have that noise on offense, we can't make it happen because it's not our defense's fault? Well, again, I guess the other two losses were San Diego and New England, and it kind of was the defense's fault that day. But, but anyways. what? Regardless, it's unacceptable. Yeah, two it, and you, three. You should be extra amped up. Player like... It, things should just get, things should just go more your way. And so we have three do. home games left to play. Yep. One against the Packers. They can win all three and finish five and three. Okay, fine, acceptable. Four and four, not so much. Yeah. But it was reported that on the short week, coming off the shitty loss, the coaching staff slept overnight at One Bills Drive and started right away Monday morning preparing for Thursday's game. Not completely unheard of. We've we've seen this from NFL coaches. Before I think a lot of them have couches and foldouts in their offices because these guys work ridiculous hours during the regular season. So, Bill, I'm asking you, if you were the event coordinator at One Bills Drive and you heard that there was a Buffalo Bills coaching staff slumber party in the make, what kind of activities would you plan? So, assume that so the game wrapped around 4.30 local time at the time they're done talking to the press, talking to the team. It's about 6 o'clock. Yeah, they need some dinner, I think, first. Well, okay. So your your um, itinerary runs, let's say, from 6 p.m. until midnight. Six hours of entertainment, go. Well, I think, first of all, you start off with some pizza. <laughs> I would definitely order Classic some pizza. Choice. And and I would I would just go go cheap. Um, I, don't, I don't think that they deserve to have Buffalo's best pizza. Um, you know, they don't, they don't deserve to, to have someone go out and get Lenovo. They don't have, they don't, they just don't deserve it. So I don't even know if we have, if we have a Domino's in the area, but I would hope not. Whatever the, whatever the cheap option is, maybe even run across the street there to, uh, uh, whatever the hell that place is called. That, um, looks like a ski lodge. Yeah, I know what you're totally forget what it's that called place like is Checkers called. or something like yeah, that. It's changed names like five times <laughs> uh, over the years. It used to, I think it was at O'Donovan's or something like that at once, or Sullivan's. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I would say get, get them uh, maybe a sheet pizza. Yeah, to, like to, a Bigfoot. Yeah, like a Bigfoot, exactly. Uh, and after well, that... Can I counter the pizza? The pizza's a classic. I mean, that's a 
Yeah, sleepover. That's you know, a, that's a no downside, all upside choice. Yeah, it's a very safe choice. I might go chilly for the grown men. Um, it was a cold, cold day in Buffalo. I think at least it looked that way. It's you November want them now. keeping each other up though with a lot of farting. I mean, at the very least, it could add some levity to what I'm assuming was probably a pretty hectic day uh, the following morning. But, okay. So either way, something hot, some some kind of comfort food just to get everybody settled. Now, Bill, are we worried about fatigue kicking in because? You know, we're entertaining them until midnight because they have a hard day ahead of them. Uh, are we worried that a heavy meal like that after coaching and all the day's preparation, maybe they need a nap? Uh, a, a mobile application or a uh, appetizer? No, a, a nap. Oh, a nap. nap. A, a nap. nap. No, no naps. No, I mean, it's it's pure drive and motivate and, you know, uh, you know self, self-drive self and motivation to succeed, which I think all these guys have, that will uh, provide enough fuel for them to last till midnight. So then, if I may, so now we're gonna say we're about six forty-five. I'm gonna say forty-five minutes, bring it up to seven thirty of country line dancing, followed by some energetic yoga. Interesting. Kind of get them like refreshed a little bit, get the blood circulating again. Okay. Get everybody loosened up. You know, they're probably pissed off, so get them a little, a little um, less cranky. Yeah, you know. Yeah, in a, in a get better their mind, get the mind to open a little bit. Yeah, better frame of mind. Yep. Okay. So now we're about seven thirty. All right, I like that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, then I think you know naturally it makes sense to uh, to start having a discussion around uh, major points of emphasis, whatever sticks out. Like, let's just have a roundtable. You know what I mean? Hey guys, forget the tape. Let's just let's just have a conversation. And that'd be what's great. going what's what's going on? Well, that'd be a great opportunity to get the rumble mints and hot chocolate out. Yeah, absolutely. Sit in a circle, put it on bathrobes. That adds, uh, because, I don't know, are we doing beer for dinner? It might be too too much. No, the rumple mints will be good. Yeah, rumple mints afterward, just get like a nice, uh, um, you know... I don't know, just to just to get a little bit extra energy, I think, from that shot. Kind of energy, and also a little uh, soothe out with the rumple mints too. Uh, for those for the for uninitiated, rumple mints is peppermint schnapps. Yeah, if you take take sort of, for extra like measure to take the nerves off a little bit. Yeah, and just to kind of get everybody. So we got our bodies working again. We got our veins opened up. The blood's flowing. Yep. Now let's get everybody seated and give them a comfort drink, the hot chocolate with the rumple mints, kind of loosen the tongue. And we can have, as you said, an open discussion. We yep. will, as we said, put on bathrobes, officially licensed monogram Buffalo Bills bathrobes. Absolutely. Terry cloth. Yep. Sit in a circle and just talk. And we'll do that for 90 minutes. So that takes us to 9 o'clock. Yep. And I think that's when we got to inject a little bit of fun. I think that's when we spend the next hour doing a ping pong tournament slash dance party. In, okay. In Doug Marone's office. That yeah, that I think that would be great, and you know, some sort of some team bonding yeah. activities. And then I think from there we go into break off sessions. We should probably have some focus on the on watching the rewatching the game. Well, that's all going to happen on Monday. Uh, this this is an opportunity to this is the slumber party. This is the this is the first day back. We're going to get everybody's feet wet after Christmas break type. Um, we're all here. We're all pissed about being here. We're all mad about the loss. So let's let's unwind a little bit. So the ping pong tournament slash dance party in Doug Marone's office, I think, is a great way to get that going for about an hour. So that takes us to ten o'clock. Yep. So we still have two hours now. And I, I mentioned break off sessions. This might be this might be a good chance to partner up and and offer some you statements about the person you 
are paired with. Yeah. You know, uh, would you think uh, we offer them a chance to have open criticism? Yeah, that's what the U statements are okay. for. Yeah. So, for example, uh, we'd have Donnie Henderson paired with Danny Crossman. And Donnie Henderson would say something like, you get here 15 minutes late every day, and I don't appreciate that. And Danny Crossman would say something like that. Say, you park in my parking space, and that's why I'm 15 minutes late, because I have to park on the other side of the parking lot. So when you do that, it inconveniences me. And then Donnie Henderson would say something like, but you make us all feel insignificant, so I take your parking space because it's a little subtle. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good way for them to work out their differences in a kind of a non-aggressive way. I like that. I think that'd be really nice. So then we have an hour to kill, and I think that's a good opportunity to put on a movie until everybody falls asleep. Now, um, out of all the movies... That Remember the Titans. Yeah? Over like a Braveheart? Wow. Hmm. So you're going to throw Braveheart in the mix. Yeah, well, Braveheart, well, we only have an hour. Well, right. no, we're just going to have it on until everybody falls asleep. Okay. Um, boy, I mean, if you're going to throw Braveheart, because now, now we have to like also throw in like Gladiator. Uh, you could throw in Rudy, too. Yeah. Yeah, except they're Syracuse guys, and I, do they give a shit about Notre Dame? They don't like Notre Dame. But. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have a... Uh, Bucknell has a personal beef with Sean Austin. You know, I feel like they might find too many flaws in the football, yeah. uh, you know, scenario. Just like an attorney watching uh, Hoosiers. A, a law show. Hoosiers? Hoosiers is what it would be. Okay. I bet you they were all big Hoosiers fans. What about uh, Coach Carter? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I actually enjoyed that movie. What about Hardball with uh, Keanu Reeves? <laughs> Never seen it. <laughs> I think he takes a bunch of inner city, that's shorthand for black, um, <laughs> kids from Cabrini Green. I believe it takes place here in Chicago. And yeah. I think one of the kids gets shot. I haven't seen it either, but Hardball with Keanu Reeves. I did just watch Jerry Maguire. Uh, for the first time? No, 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 no. I did almost... Uh, because I was thinking about our uh, our good buddy and fellow uh, Bills and Beers uh, host, Jammin' Jeff Day. What does he have to do with Jerry Maguire? He, oh, that's his like favorite movie, dude. But Will Smith's not in it. I know. <laughs> but he definitely puts it in his top five favorite movies. So I somehow thought that if I watched that on Sunday morning, the Bills were going to win. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that, too, because I was just recently thinking about when I watched Jerry Maguire for the one and only time, which I remember vividly was November of 1999. I was in Somerset, Pennsylvania for the Pennsylvania Association of Student Councils State Conference, and I was staying with a host family who... Nerd alert! (laughs) Hey, I was delegate of the year. Um, (laughs) I have the certificate. Um, Wait, so what are we... We're going with Jerry Maguire or Hoosiers? Uh, I would put. I would probably put on Braveheart. Okay. All right. I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, except the hero loses in the end in Braveheart. Is there another one where they're not going to make it to the end though? That's true. That's true. <laughs> and yeah. Okay. All right. We'll go with Braveheart. So we'll end the night with Braveheart. That sounds like a great little sleepover. Yeah. Now, did you ever do lock-ins? I mean, I I just revealed a lot about myself being a very active member of student council, so I both organized and participated in lock-ins as a high school student. Well, I was student council treasurer. You know how good I am with money, so... That, uh, okay. (laughs) I I can tell you, so I was president in 8th grade, president in 10th grade, and treasurer in 12th grade, but the two times I was president, both times... Upon leaving office, I left the the student council with virtually zero dollars in the treasury. One was because we spent 
pretty much every last dime we had on a sign outside Westlake Middle School, which is still there. It says, you know, Westlake Middle School, home of the Vikings. Um, that was our class gifts. We spent all our money on that. The other one, we spent $9,000 on gossamer paper for a enchantment under the sea dance. And in order to turn our entire cafeteria into something that looked like it was underwater, the young lady who was in charge of decorations sought fit to go out and put $9,000 worth of gossamer paper on her mom's credit card. No way. So we had to reimburse her out of money at the end of the year. So they had to do a whole lot of fun. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty shaky situations. But I did a lock-in for uh, basketball. The basketball team did one when I was a senior, but we did it at all levels. So it was like the freshman, the JV, and the varsity team were all locked in the intermediate school together. So I've, I've been through these before, and I can tell you for sure that we just we just orchestrated a nice one. You didn't even have one like the never night of graduation. A, nope, never no. had a locked in. Lock we, in, no. We had a yeah, had we, a lot of sleepovers. We had a lock in at the high school gra- graduation night. Every everybody went. Maybe I went to the lamest high school on the planet. I don't think so, but everybody went. What? Was it fun? It was a lot of fun. Yeah, they had the pool open. They had the gym open. They had movies playing. They had like a giant. Like uh, obstacle course set up in the cafeteria. I mean, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, we had like activity nights and we we call them and like dances. Do you have those too? We have, of course, we had dances. But yeah, we had lock-ins. Anyways, well, the the Bills coaches had a lock-in in preparation for Thursday. Bill, worst case, best case scenario for Thursday's game. Um, I'm gonna go best case scenario. Bills win the game. Thirty-one to seventeen. Uh, the worst case scenario, the Bills lose the game, uh, Keep talking. 17 to 16. We've gone to this format for doing our predictions and we always try to like, you know, barring this, barring that, you know, it's impossible to say what's going to happen. I don't think that the Dolphins will just crush us in all phases of the game and that it would be a blowout. Yeah, that's why I was saying. I don't think there's any way the Dolphins put up more than 17 points. It could still happen, though. And we'd be sitting here wondering, what the hell? How did that just happen? I think that that's highly, 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 highly unlikely. Yeah, it happens if we turn the ball over within our own uh, or within our own um, territory or... Or they do something stupid like give up an 80-yard run like they did against Tampa Bay last year after a disappointing loss. You remember that? Yes. Debacle. The Tampa Bay game last year was absolutely terrible. So if the Bills turn around and have that kind of drag for this game, it could be bad. I think that's just something in the pit of my gut tells me that's not going to happen. So worst case scenario, fluke plays, we lose 17-16. You know, very similar to last week. That's the worst case scenario is that because of fluke plays, let me be very clear about that. Because of fluke plays, we end up losing a close game. That's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario, we have it in them or we have it in us to blow them out. That's what I said last week before Kansas City. That was certainly the case. We fucking dominated that like game. Like how bad did we blow them out? 38-3. A defensive special teams and offensive touchdown. Because lest we forget, when we played in Miami last year, like second play of the game was a pick six to either to Norris Searcy or 
Nikhil Roby. Do you remember that? They pretty much picked off Ryan Tannehill in the flat and almost rolled into the end zone because we had him backed up so far. I don't remember that, but... It was the first play of the game. Okay. And we scored on a uh, return touchdown this past season already. Two years ago when we played them on Thursday night in Buffalo, we scored on a punt return touchdown against them. So I think we can score a touchdown in all phases. That's best case scenario. I, I think we can kill them. And I think it's high, way, way more unlikely that they return the favor without the aid of some fluke plays or some just bad, bad turnovers. But you seem pretty confident that Orton doesn't have it in to do that kind of thing. I'm not going to make a comment on that. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see. It's nice to have this and not have to sit around after a bad loss and wait, 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 wait to watch the team again. It's going to be great to watch them win, knowing that we come back home against the Jets. And this we should is, have another easy one coming, so... We should be considering this a playoff game right here. We should, and it should be... It's Tuesday night now. It should be... It's 6.54 Tuesday night. It should be a fun 48 hours heading into game time, and it should be a fun 10 days after that. I'm calling it now. Let's do it. I'm Lars for Buffalo Bill Belcher, the uh, absent Cassie Hutton, the absent Sujit, and the absent uh, Jim and Jeff Day. But for all, But for all of Bill's nation... Go Bills. Go Bills. The Bills make me wanna shout.